Always on Target on The Face Radio with your host, Maud Marty. Welcome to On Target, where I spin Northern Soul, Mod Beat, Rare Groove, and Forgotten Gems, all on vinyl, all at 45 RPM. I'm your host, Mod Marty. And here we go, guys. I've got a whole new episode of interviews and music for you. I started off with The Sounds Incorporated once again. A couple of weeks ago, I played the flip side to this track. I'm Coming Through is the name of that one. This is called On the Brink, and it was written and originally recorded by Mike Vickers using a very clinky piano, which I never loved that sound. I love this track, but I never loved that sound. And then I came across this Sounds Incorporated version, which has taken that sound out and replaced it with heavy horns and a big band. Like this band's MO is that they are a saxophone-led instrumental band. There's six of them in the core, but they always have extra musicians. So it ends up being almost an orchestra and the sound is thick and rich as a result of that. And of course you throw in the production value of Joe Meek and you've got something very special and very swinging 60s. And now I've got another interview episode, but I'm going to be switching things up. I was talking to Teresina before we did this interview, and she suggested that I mix things up, that I do some interview episodes and some all-music episodes. So I think that's a great idea, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. But this week, I got a chance to talk to Teresina Costas, who 
is better known as DJ Nico from Toronto. I've only met her a couple of times, but we've talked a lot through social media over the years. We've built up what I think is a friendship, I hope. Parker Pat and I have covered her night a couple of times uh, when she was unable to do it. I was also a guest at her night with it in Toronto, which you have heard me talk about in the past. And as was true last week, there's also Addicted to the Needle episodes where Parker Pat and I talk about our experiences doing with it. But Teresina is a juggernaut for the soul scene slash mod scene in Toronto. And we'll talk about her coming up in Toronto as a mod and a record collector slash DJ, as well as taking the reins for the Toronto Soul Club, which is a collective of DJs that all have their own soul nights. Aside from that, she also travels all over the place to do guest spots at different venues all over North America. And she did Spain last year for the Modcast. Just an all-around excellent example of a dedicated and passionate soul DJ and record collector. It was an absolute pleasure for me to be able to sit down and chat with her one-on-one. And I hope you enjoy the conversation that we had. So get comfortable. Here we go. Hello and welcome Teresina, or should I say DJ Nico. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Mod Marty. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. We've got a lot of stuff to cover because you do so much, but I want to start with you sort of telling us a little bit about yourself, like your story, how you got where you are through the mod scene, music scene, collecting and all of that. So love to know what makes you tick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll start by saying that I'm a settler in Canada. Originally, my family is from the Azores, Portugal, and we came to Canada in the early 70s. So I've been in Toronto, living on Turtle Island. (laughs) So I was born here and I will just leap into the music piece. My dad was a big music person. He loved to collect things. He's a big garage sale person. He loved on the weekends going off and buying things that he could tinker with in the garage. So we were always uh, surrounded by audio equipment. So he'd buy stereos and sit in the garage and fix stuff. So we had a few boom boxes as well as just stereos, tuners, all sorts of stuff. His garage is, is actually it's still intact since he passed away, but still there is like two giant speakers and a, and a tuner and a, and a turntable still in the garage. Wow. Just, uh, <laughs> buy stuff and, and play it and just sit there and work on the car or whatever he would... Um, he'd be working on, but music was always around us. Uh, My dad loved to make cassette tapes, even uh, CDs. He would put together a bunch of music and take it to someone to to burn CDs for him. But he would make mixtapes too. My brother was uh, big on radio and making mixtapes as well. So he's four years older than I am. So he got me into... Me trying to copy my big brother. <laughs> oh, it's all, it's nice to have that kind yeah. of guide through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he was, you know, I guess his age, he was into all the big music of the time. So it was all the new wave and post-punk stuff coming from England. So, and we were, we were listening to 
a lot of radio. So we'd listen to CFNY. So we were listening to music that wasn't really in the top 40, just stuff that was more alternative and buying like records and cassette tapes. So yeah, my exposure was my dad. And then my brother was the big person who brought in all this stuff and introduced me to all sorts of music. Because my generation was more into the Madonnas and the yeah. Prince, Princes and all that yep. stuff. And I was like, oh, hair, hair, hair bands. And no, I was like, no, I, I just want like my little cute short bob cut and uh, wearing Doc Martens and being made fun of in school. Because <laughs> I didn't look like everybody else, but... I can so relate to that. <laughs> That's very cool. So did you, were you partial to like vinyl or CDs or anything early on? Was that something that mattered to you when you were listening to music or was it just about the music? Uh, for me, it was, we already had records in the house. So I, like the early records that I remember having in the house was Living Newton John, Let's Get Physical on 45, Boy George, like Culture Club was one. Chic, Le Freak. That was, I remember those picture sleeves. Like we had those in the house. So definitely records, a lot of Portuguese records. I don't think my parents brought records over. I think they bought stuff when they were here, uh, but there was still a big Portuguese community here. So access to the music was was something we had. So we, we started off with records. Cassettes were the big thing when I was growing up. And sorry, and to answer your question about mod culture. So I was exposed to mod culture because of my brother, his friends who were four years older. I just remember him, our first, both of our first jobs were McDonald's. And I remember his friends, he was hanging out with these, I would say kids, because at the time they were like 16, 17, 18. They were scooterists. There oh, were a bunch of cool. uh, his friends who were into, yeah. it was like the preps <laughs> and the skinheads. The skinheads were the scary kids that would roll you for your dog. <laughs> and yeah, so I remember just the, the mod skinhead guys with scooters. Uh, so I was around those people, punks too. My brother was uh, he was pretty preppy. He was, you know, he'd wear his Ralph Lauren shirts and his, yeah, it was that stuff. It was the preps and the mods and the, and the skinheads. There was a lot of crossover at that time. I think we're about the same age-ish and we've had, it sounds like similar experiences, but talking to other mods, I've found that depending on where you live, but specifically in Canada, there seems to have been a lot of crossover with punks and skinheads and mods. And whereas in England, they were very different. They st stuck to their own, you know, they did not cross over. But I feel as though that's a benefit though. Like we're a bit more lucky to have that crossover because there is, even in the music, a lot of crossover, I find. Mm -hmm. And probably because those cultures were being carried over a notion to another city to another scene that uh it was how it was interpreted here so i do remember yeah skinheads were scary but not understanding that there were different types of skinhead or you'd meet some and it's like okay they're on the good side of, yeah. of that well, you, you, find, you find out the hard way or, you know, or, or you find out, like I found out the hard way, the differences in skinheads yeah. and it was, but you know, what's really interesting about all those cultures too, is they all pretty much all came from England and that's where our interest always kind of goes over yeah. there, right? Uh, I always described myself as an Anglophile, as someone who loved English culture and it, and it wasn't just the music, it was literature too. When I went to university and studied, I, I have a bachelor of arts in English literature and I 
I was reading a lot of British novels. So it was the music, it was films, it was all the culture. And it's just so strange because it's like my family, Portuguese culture is very rich and there's so much history and so, so many things. But coming from there, being born here and being exposed to, I guess, you know, English culture, it's like uh, gravitating to that. I, I really don't know why that's where interest went it just there was just so much cool stuff it just spoke to me in terms of the fashion and the music and all the art that was coming out of the UK it's I, I don't get it I don't understand why but uh, maybe yeah. I do. <laughs> I totally yeah. get it. I mean, it's there's no real rhyme or reason for it. Same here. Like I was born in South Africa. I grew up on Salt Spring Island. It's like none of that is, has anything to do with the British culture at all. But I was always drawn to it. And it, there's something about it that's very, very appealing and also feels comfortable for me. And it sounds like for you as well. Like it, it also leads to things that bring us back to North America, like the music, you know. And it's, it's a shared back and forth. What's so interesting is that a lot of the music and culture that was in England was American, especially with mod music. So it's just like you're getting things filtered through other cultures exactly. and come back again. So it's just like, you know, black American music from from jazz, like with the with mod culture. It started with jazz music into the, the R&B and soul, funk, whatever it may be. But it's just like from America to England and then how they've interpreted it and, and just the, the British R&B music. So like, it's, it's just so fascinating how it, I, for me as a collector and a, and a, and a person involved in, in the community, in the, in the, in, in Toronto, as well as hopefully beyond, I try to, you know, connect with people all over the place. Um, especially when it's about music, but it's, it's just, uh, yeah, taking, taking and reinterpreting what you learn and finding the roots roots of where this music came from. Like, okay, I love this song. Oh my God. And, and that's what brought me to, to collecting even more deeply. Like I, I, uh, once I was into the Britpop scene and I'm like, Oh, I love blur. They really love the kinks. Well, what's, what, what's, what is there? What's, what's, what can I dig into the kinks? Uh, like what can I learn about them? And it's like, okay, well, they were very much influenced by what was happening in, in black American in the sixties and the fifties and sixties. So it's just like all of it comes back around to, to learning the roots of, of that yeah. music. So uh, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. Mm -hmm. Did you ever get into scooters? Was that ever a thing for you? Uh, I still have my original <laughs> motorcycle license book. <laughs> uh, and I was like reading that thing. And at 16, I'm like, I'm going to get a scooter. I've always wanted a scooter. I was always obsessed. And I'm now almost turning 50 and I still haven't had my M license. Oh. <laughs> I was scared. Like I'm, I, every summer I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for the lessons. I look up the information and I know where it is. I know, you know, friends have been through it. I know everything's in place. And I have friends in, in the scene here who are just like, whenever you're ready, you know, we'll get a scooter for you. We'll, we'll set you up. And I'm just like, I'd need to do it before. Yeah, I, it's never too late though. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been around like my, my first boyfriend had two scooters. 
So I've been around the culture so much most and people just assume that I, I have a scooter or have had one and it's just like no I, I'm I don't get it. I'm I'm a poser. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> yeah. I, I want one and I vow to have it before I'm too old to uh to get on a scooter. But <laughs> would would you say that the scene in Toronto has been strong like all the way along or does it have ebbs and flows of of interest uh definitely ebbs and flows like the 80s it was very big then kind of died down and then with the brit pop scene started up again and that's when i was around more and it was getting exciting again the music and people just into the culture wearing the suits going out and dancing and and just everything being fed here. So people like Davy Love, who brought the idea of a party from England called Blow Up, bringing it here and, and making it work and it lasting for quite a like more than a decade. And it's still going with a, an annual event. But having someone and a few people in the city actually keep that music going, bringing in artists who actually came through and played. So it was a very healthy scene. It was the the Britpop stuff brought back all the 60s stuff too. And I remember there was also a lot of sort of reggae skinhead nights going on too around that time. So they would have weekenders. So people would come through and they'd have bands play. And then people come from outside of Toronto in for the weekend. So the music was always there, the culture. Just it wasn't it wasn't as accessible when it was sort of skinhead running events. But the Britpop scene definitely was more inclusive and people who weren't necessarily mods or into the culture, but they loved Britpop and they liked right. the elements of the 60s that were being brought in with like the artists would actually talk about the 60s music being their influence (laughs) so yeah it was it was healthy then and then as Britpop died down and everyone grew up and had kids moved out of the city or not all of them but (laughs) many of them except people like myself I've had cats I haven't had babies but uh yeah people just but then it came back in another wave with the, the mod club the Mod Club Theater. Yes. And the Mod Club that became like a franchise across Canada. Yeah. And that all started in Toronto too, like just after Blow Up stopped, didn't it? Yeah. Um, that was when Britpop was kind of trinkling off. Yeah. And even that that party and that night and that club really started doing something very different. They started with the Britpop stuff, but by the end they were doing house. They were doing a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, it went in a very, yeah. very different direction. That's for sure. Yes. But yeah, since then it's just like the night that I've been running for the past decade was kind of picking up where blow up left off. And I mean, it still exists and it's still vibrant and nostalgic, but I've kept to try to keep the sort of mod side of things, but focused on soul 60s soul music. And some of the people that were going to those parties are still around and coming and, and supporting my night, but there really isn't a mod scene. There's little bits of remnants of what was happening in the nineties. There's still an interest in it, right? Like even if they're not mods who say, come to your night. Yeah. Which I do want to talk more about, but they're still interested. Even the young people, they're still like loving the music and dancing and, and, uh, have requests, you know, like know what they want to hear. And they're coming into it with a different lens, especially the younger people where they're hearing the songs that have been sampled (laughs) 
the music that they've been growing up in the 90s into the 2000s. So, you know, so yeah, you play Etta James, uh, Seven Day Fool, and it's like they go crazy, or they hear, and it's songs they hear in commercials or in films, <laughs> in films, and it's just like, okay, wow, okay how are they getting this? And, and Yeah. Isn't it funny though, that, that those are, that makes us all cringe, you know, but at the same time, if it wasn't for that, the next generation wouldn't be hearing this stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, being hooked to it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they appreciate and love it, but, and they can go to a sixties night one weekend and the next weekend they're at the nineties night <laughs> and still loving it in the same sort of way. They know the music, they appreciate it. They're dancing. So I admire the openness yeah. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm thankful for the fact that these, these people do come out regularly. They appreciate and respect the DJ. Mo- like mostly there are the weird times that people do ask for things that are completely off. Like what are it's you It's like talking? they haven't even been there, you know, like, you're like have you, you've been here for like an hour. I've seen you. Why are you asking for this totally off the wall thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's mostly good. Yeah. The mod scene doesn't really, there are mods or people that consider themselves mods here in Toronto, uh, but they're older. There isn't really like a young generation of people. That's true worldwide, I think, right now. Yeah, but there's people that love the music that are, you know, younger that want to get into it, but it's coming into it in a very different way. I know from for myself, when it comes to my party, it's just I try to keep to the funk. I think it's because of how prominent hip hop culture is, uh, especially in Toronto. And the, the large Jamaican, like the reggae scene here is really strong. Definitely so trying to keep to having funk as well as the soul, but then people do appreciate the R and B, but having those two things connect people more to what is hip hop culture and it's more digestible for them and still pushing them, but not, you know, not making it easy and, and not taking the easy road as a DJ, but enough for them to be able to, to relate to it, appreciate it uh, and still push. Yeah. So they introduce them to something else, right? Like it's yeah. like, you're enjoying this, yeah. you know it, you appreciate it. Now check this out. And then sometimes they'll be like blown away. And that's, that's what you want. Yeah. From the heart of the continent, the center of the country and the middle of nowhere. This is on target on the face radio, the soul of Brooklyn. So talking about music, I'm going to take your suggestion and I'm going to put some music in throughout our interview here. So what I had asked was if you would pick three tracks that you think I may not have heard or songs that you think don't get played very often and maybe should. So did you have any particular order you wanted to put these in? Uh, you know what? I thought maybe since Howard chat is going, I would start with the Beat Merchants. All right. Yeah. So your first choice then is the Beat Merchants So Fine on the Tower label from 1964. <laughs> So 
amazing beat uh, mod track. So good. Uh, it's it's um, so fine. It is. <laughs> uh, just, you know, the change in timing and, and sort of the complexity of, of the instrument. Like it just, it's such a well-crafted tune. And yeah, it is one of the most mod <laughs> sounding tracks that I think of, like very British R&B sound. So I adore it and love it. I didn't realize... I discovered the fabulous Peps version. Yeah, I know them from just being a, an amazing Detroit soul R&B band. And I came across a 45 a couple of months ago and didn't know, like the, the song title was covered. I didn't even know it. And I just played the song and I'm like, oh my God, this is the Beat Merchant song. Like, <laughs> I was so happy. And it's, I mean, it's completely different. Like there's this sort of dynamic in it with the Beat Merchant's version versus the the sort of more lagging kind of- uh, Bluesy almost, right? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely deep into the American R&B versus the- it, It's so interesting how they interpret the music and what it sounds like through even with the stones as you were saying covers by by the who and the stones listen to the original uh r&b or blues artists and you're like holy it's so different but the two they're distinctive and the interpretation is still incredible for both and i can appreciate both very much and that's why i chose the same song by two different artists assuming it was going to be the black american artist first but for this one it surprised me with the reverse should we play the fabulous peps version
great, great choices. And like you said, it's hearing those two songs and they're so different from each other, but they each one has its own really strong integrity. I love that too, because it's not just like having covers of the same song. You actually have like a different song. Mm-hmm. Well, which one of those would you play it with it if you had to choose? Um, early on when I was first DJing, uh, and not necessarily with it, but before when I was just doing one-offs for friends events, I used to play So Fine quite often. And stuff like the gestures, run, run, run. Like I love sort of that beat garage mod stuff. I can't really get away with it. I can with it if it's played, dropped in between stuff. So if it's like a Kinks song or something that people are familiar with and then dropping that in and it's, and people are really intensely dancing, they may not even notice and you know what? T- songs with time changes are really difficult unless you know it yeah, already. It messes people up. So I probably I would play the uh, I would play the fabulous Peps for sure. I think that that's a little yeah. bit more digestible uh, and closer to what I'm doing now with my party than early on. I was doing more in the first year of with it. I was playing indie stuff and Britpop as. Early on in the night, at the beginning of the party, when it first started, there were people that were into the culture and scene, but quickly learned that, no, people want the soul. And they would actually ask for it. Like, when are you playing the soul? I'm like, really? Okay. So had to shift and adjust to what. And I think that's why after years and years, it's like, it's a finely tuned machine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. So talk a little bit about with it. When is it? Where is it? Tell people. Uh, so, well, it's in Toronto. It's at a place called The Piston. So it's a nice, small... It's not terribly small. No, it, on, but it's on the smaller side of Toronto venues. It yeah. is on the smaller side. So it's like 140 capacity kind of space, long and narrow, the front bar. Um, you can There's booths and you can get your drinks in the front. And then there's a back room, which people seem to love. The I, fact I think it's awesome. This. It's a great yeah. layout. So it, it is like a nightclub. It's more, it is a bar. They used to serve food years ago. So it did function as a restaurant. But yeah, so there's a back room with just like a dance floor area, some tables on the side, but the back end is where there's a, a, a staging area where the DJs, and they have bands there too. Um, and they care very much about the sounds, the sound there which is fantastic to have a space that actually sounds incredible. George is very, very proud of the sound in there. Yeah, Yeah. George is one of the owners and he's a musician. He's a drummer. The partners that he started the business with were all, they actually actually all were drummers, (laughs) all three of them. (laughs) The sound system and investing in it was very important to them. Yeah, so my party is one of uh so each weekend they run dj nights on fridays and saturdays and mine is the first saturday of each month uh and it's been going for 10 years i actually have never changed it's always been the first monday what was always difficult and a challenge for me is that it always landed on holiday weekends (laughs) yeah (laughs) years and years before the night was really established it was like oh my goodness we were lucky if we had 50 people come through So it was very hard and it's been a long time since it's been slow like that. 
It's just, it's grown. People have just known and appreciate what I try to do. I try to bring in DJs. When I first started, it was with one DJ partner, switched to another DJ partner within the first six months. It was DJ Magnificent, Alex from Ottawa. Oh yeah. He was with me for about almost four years coming in from Ottawa every month to spin. Uh, So he brought in another layer of of what the night could be bringing in the the reggae because i'm not i love reggae music but i don't collect it and i leave it to this is what i try to do with my guest djs it's like if they're the experts in like rare soul or funk or you know or reggae i bring them in and it balances off what i do which is more popular stuff but i also dig deep as well but the combination of the two always makes the night work really well so that there's a bit of both. So people hear the familiar, they hear the, the rare stuff. I usually change every half hour with my, my uh, guest DJs so that there is a shift. And, and um, well, that's, I think one of the things that really works for it is that you have a guest each time that if you go every month, you're not going to get exactly the same thing every month. You get this variety, which it's all within the umbrella of what you're doing, but it's variety that you wouldn't get if it was just you every month, right? And I think that's a real success. Mm-hmm. And, and I try to, like early on, I used to call it a mod soul party, but sometimes the mod part isn't as accessible for people. So I just say soul. And to me, soul is very broad. So anywhere from from R and B, funk, even bits of garage, like the the mod part brings in the garage, the Hammond groove stuff, the yeah yeah. For me, I've learned about mod culture through my exposure to English people that I know here. Ex like Toronto is huge for expats, and there was one particular night outside of Blow Up there was these expats and their party was called Soul Clan. So that's where I learned about soul parties and Northern Soul. Their party was defined as being Northern Soul, but they did play a mix of the popular stuff with the rarities. And it was just a fantastic party. And it ran for about two or three years in a few different spots here in Toronto, but just fantastic stuff. And that's where I learned to learned about a lot of music that I didn't know and the variety of what I could play trying to do a mod party. Right. <laughs> this is The Face Radio, and you are listening to On Target. It's what's in the grooves that count. Visit ontargetpodcast.ca, the official On Target website, for all episodes and links to your favorite listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, and Player FM. We are also available for download at iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Ghana, Roomplay, and Deezer. Listen, comment, download, share, and feel free to send me an email directly at mod.marty at yahoo.com. There's a collective in Toronto, isn't there, of, of DJs, right? So can you tell me a little bit more about what that's all about, like how that works? Um, so if, if you're referring to Toronto Soul Club, <laughs> yes. um, yeah. so that was started by a, a person named Dennis, Dennis P, who's a musician. He's a saxophonist, incredibly talented person. He was part of a few different DJ parties. So he started Toronto Soul Club. A few of us were running parties already in the city, playing soul music, all on vinyl. So strictly records. 
And he just thought, hey, we should all just get together and try to do things and support each other. We did support each other's parties. We'd go to each other's parties, DJ at each other's parties. Uh, but he just wanted to make it more of something, like let's turn it into a collective. So we started it with these big plans of uh, running parties, uh, events that were outside our usual monthly parties. And at the time, there were quite a few people playing Soul and Records in Toronto. So there was... I think seven of us in total, and I think five different parties, because a few of us were running parties, or some of them were running parties together. So we were thinking about doing a weekender or like a block. At the time, block parties were big in Toronto and outdoor stuff. So like getting a space and having food as well as music playing outdoors and like vintage clothing or whatever, we were going to bring together people it just really infused the city with more and more culture. But the basis was soul music and us coming together and using all of our energy and our experiences and uh, our strengths to really push the scene. But, you know, babies happen, marriages happen. It just, people got busy. And it's also hard to bring seven or eight people with ideas together to make things happen. So it kind of died off for a little bit. Uh, and just before the pandemic, uh, I, I just started to pick it up and start to promote other people's events and not in Toronto, all sorts of places just started to share people's events because uh, it's great knowing. I love traveling to other cities and knowing. And that's how I discovered some things like Emerald City Soul Club, which is in Seattle. When I went to visit out west, I actually knew about, uh, I think it's Burning Hearts in Vancouver, uh, was a soul night that was going on there about 12 years ago. So I went, I traveled out, out West and did some research and knew that there were people doing soul parties in other cities. So I've been aware of people's parties in other cities. And it's amazing to make that connection and write to people and go and see what they're doing in other cities. That's why I was so excited when Toronto Soul Club happened, because I'm like, oh, this is already stuff that's already naturally happening. And it was sad when it kind of died down. But uh, as soon as there was a need to, to keep it going, so I started to using the social media to share other people's events. And nurture it into something yeah. that is going to lead to this weekender that you're doing next year, right? In the spring. So yes. Yeah, so Toronto Soul Club has found new life kind of thing over the pandemic. We did, and it was the sixth anniversary over the pandemic of when we started it. So we did a fundraiser. It was very important for us to do some fundraising. I'm going to get to the Soul Weekender. What <laughs> 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 Toronto Soul Club, the new life that has happened for it. Uh, it was more for the fundraising piece of things. We had, when we first started Toronto Soul Club, we had done patches and they sat in uh, Parkdale Funk's basement for, for like, two, three years. And when George Floyd was uh, murdered, immediately Toronto Soul Club was like, what can we do? What can we do to, to help put money into the community, into the Black community, uh, especially in Toronto? So we remembered, uh, I think it was Parkdale Funk who remembered the patches and just said, hey, we've got these things sitting here, which like we should just sell them. And we raised, I think we raised about, seven or eight hundred dollars oh wow that's great um, yeah so i think we had made about 200 
uh, initially, but people were really excited about those patches. So, and then the following year, we did slip mats and raised money again for the community, the black community here in Toronto. So it's, yeah. It's, it's such a good thing. I think that's amazing that you guys do that. Yeah. So it found new life. So, yeah. you know, it started to settle down again. Uh, and it's in really, it is just about pushing out soul events in different cities. But yeah, uh, it was Knockout, which is another party in Toronto that uh, is more geared towards rare soul and yeah, and skinheads, boss reggae and rare soul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All killer, no filler kind of, that's their yeah. sort of theme. So it's very much skinhead culture, but accessible still. It is the soul as well as the reggae music and ska and, and blue beat kind of stuff. So they have been running for about six years, their their event, their party. And one of the, the gentlemen that runs it approached me and just said, hey, me as Toronto Soul Club, we want to put together a uh, weekender. What do you think? Do you want to partner up and run it? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd say no to that? <laughs> it's just something that we've been sitting on as Toronto Soul Club for so long. So it had to happen. It had to come together. So I'm pretty excited that we're putting two parties together to try to bring in people from all over the place, from Minneapolis, from New York, a couple of people from New York. So within Canada, uh, it's Ottawa and Montreal. Park of Pat, of course, is, uh, is going gonna, is gonna to come through. Uh, so also from uh, the East Coast, we have uh, City of Lakes, Adams coming through. From Portland, Oregon, so a couple of people from there, from Seattle, so pretty cool. So we're bringing in people from all over uh, North America. <laughs> that's that's amazing. <laughs> so hopefully this is like one of many, and it's very hard to include everybody that we would like to. Yeah, uh, We've started where sort of naturally people that have already been part of uh, coming into Toronto or we've, we have some kind of relationship with uh, to start there and hopefully keep keep doing this as an annual thing yeah just bringing new sounds new people to toronto and and it's interesting how much of a reaction we are getting and we are we have a couple people from england who want to come uh and book trips to to come to this so this is kind of cool and as they should you know (laughs) they should come over and check out what we're doing (laughs) yeah i mean there's a lot of people in 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 uh, North America who have collected records and have a distinct, like people from the West coast versus East coast. It's the records we have access to. There is a very different sound. There is people interpret music and scenes very differently and uh, different flavors to the same thing. So whether it be rare soul or mod culture or skinhead culture, this will be really fun and interesting just to hang Uh, out. Definitely. Definitely. I can't wait. And it will be a completely different experience than say Keystone, you know, like it'll be, it'll be its own thing, which is more than enough reason to come. And it's okay. So do you have dates for it? Yes. So right now the nighttime events, April 19th and 20th, 2024 is when it's happening. So those are the nighttime parties. So we're still working on what to do. We may extend, start it from Thursday into the Sunday kind of thing. So there's a few uh, things we need to wrap up, but we may extend it to have like matinees. 
So afternoon DJs as well as the nighttime parties. The venue that we're running the nighttime parties is called Basement 254. Yeah, so it's... So they have a traditional sound system there. Yeah, like, yeah, like a Jamaican sound system, right? Like the big stacked speaker yeah. boxes. Cool. Yeah, yeah <laughs> incredible. So it's a nice space. It, it's uh, about 150 to 200 capacity space. It's in a basement, clearly. So it feels very sort of house party, kind of uh, low ceilings. So the sound is fantastic. Nice, cozy. So it's a cool space. Really nice vibes and the staff and the people that run it are very cool so it just it seems just the perfect and natural place to have this so both nights will be in the same space that's that's great i really look forward to it now i will keep on talking about it on the show too and i hope that people you know come because it's going to be worthwhile to come and and experience this whole weekender You are listening to On Target Dance Party Radio in England on modradiouk.net. Okay, we're running a little low on time, so I want to talk about your last pick for your track, which was the Hollywood Jills. He makes me so mad. Let's give that a listen, and then we will come back and say goodbye. Cool. cheeky eh that one <laughs> a little bit on the the girl group side but also still got that sort of mid-tempo almost northern feel to it 
I swim in the raw and I slap you in the face. <laughs> and I go, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Saucy, saucy lyrics there. Yeah, saucy indeed. I like that there's like like the girlfriend is saying, yeah. he mm-hmm. does what? You know, it's, <laughs> uh, I first heard that track on a Rhino Records collection. It was a CD collection that I bought. So this is going back like 20 years ago. So the box set had four CDs, I believe, and they all look like, different oh. styled compacts oh, it's all cool. girl groups it's all like very hard to find so the title of it's like one kiss leads to another yeah my foray into collecting 45s was girl groups so i started off with all sorts of cd comps and discovering amazing music and then looking for them on 45 that's what really got me into collecting 45s and soul again about 15 years ago. But um, I was gifted the 45 by my friend, Jeff, who is a musician and lives in Detroit. And he gave me that record. But yeah, just a fantastic, loose, kind of cheeky, sexy, but also quirky and, and very girl group, but very raw too. Now, before we go, tell us about the show that you have on uh, the face radio. So I produce Girl About Town And it's broadcast first on Totally Wired Radio and then rebroadcast for the Face Radio. So the Face Radio show is on the first Mondays of each month at 1 p.m. Eastern time. It's pretty loose. I do focus on sort of mod culture. The name of the show is based on a song by the jam, Boy About Town. So pretty much just that idea of someone that knows what's happening. The Not an it girl, but... Kind of like just. Or you've got some, your finger on the pulse of what's going yeah. on, right? <laughs> I like to think. I like to think. But yeah, so it's just a, a variety of different types of music. I mean, I discovered, and this is what I love about doing a radio show is like, I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, you learn so much. It's so yeah. true. <laughs> it's, it's an education of figuring and digging into the music and understanding. That's the thing about even as a DJ in the clubs, the radio stuff, it's all about learning, understanding, digging for the history and learning the roots of where things come from. And I think that's so important in general, just for our own knowledge of culture and life. Like it's- it, enri- it enriches everything else, you know, <laughs> like if it was all brand new, it wouldn't have that rich cultural history. Mm-hmm. And it needs that to really give it its depth, mm-hmm. you know, and respect. It's also respect because I, I want to know the roots of where things come from so that I can pay respects to where it's come from and respect where respect is due for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview with me. I really appreciate it. I love to hear everybody's stories and takes on everything. So we'll have you back again because I'm, I know that getting closer to the uh, weekender, I'm going to want to hear more about how it's coming along as well so we'll have you back again thanks teresina thank you i'm I'm looking forward to hearing what you put together what a great interview what a great opportunity to talk to teresina somebody that i hold in high regard and hear her story and how she ended up where she is please make sure that you try and check out both her radio show either on the face radio or on totally wired radio and stay tuned for everything that's coming as far as the soul weekender in toronto goes 
I'd also love to hear from you about the format and the interview, so please leave a comment. Now, next week, I think I'll be back to the regular format for a few weeks, and then we'll do another interview down the road. If you have suggestions about who I should interview, please let me know because I'd love to have a nice big long list of people to talk to if you can and let me know what you think. I'm gonna leave you off now with another instrumental track. This is a crazy rock and R&B track by Lonnie Mack. It's called Chicken Pickin' and it came out on the fraternity label in 1965. This has been On Target with yours truly, Maud Marty. Join me every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and every Tuesday at 9 a.m. on The Face Radio. And please visit thefaceradio.com and donate to get a free gift and help to keep the station on the air. Until next time, keep the faith.